Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, real talk, and lols. I'm your host, Belle Crawford, and on the show, we're joined by someone I discovered on TikTok and have become Insta Pals with. Obviously, it's how we do things these days, right? Relationship and dating coach, the love addict coach, Gina Lovato. A couple of gals chatting from New Zealand to LA. We find out about Gina's not always so happy and healthy relationship with love. She's so honest and I'm really here for it. It's honestly just like chatting with a couple of girlfriends. And we cover tips for dating, red flags, making changes to patterns that aren't working for you and fixing a broken picker. Let's get into our chat with Gina. Gina, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. It's like, I know that's your name, obviously, but I know you as the love addict coach. So when I was getting in touch it's like well, what do we call you the love obviously that's not what like your name is but like how are you it's so cool to connect with you I'm so glad to be here yeah I, I think most people probably don't know my real name just because I I'm the love addict coach on all of my socials so yes my name is Gina <laughs> yeah no it's so cool I think it's a great name and everything we'll go into everything soon but first tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah so I am a professional dating and relationship coach in Los Angeles everything is on zoom right now so I have you know clients and people I work with all over the world at this point which is super cool and I specialize in dating Uh, people that are maybe have a past history of maybe not the best, you know, relationship track record, those people that have been in those toxic relationships, maybe they have an anxious attachment style, maybe they attract unavailable people, they want to have a new experience, maybe find someone that's emotionally available, securely attached person, I help them try and attract one of those people find one of those people. Um, And then people that are in relationships, you know, maybe someone has an anxious attachment and they're with someone that has an avoidant attachment style. I'm sure we'll go into it, but a a lot of times those styles clash. So I work with people maybe that are in that situation. How do you communicate? You know, is this salvageable? Do you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater or can, is this, you know, can you work on it? So yeah, that's mostly what I do. I specialize in attachment styles, use that as a foundation and, and go out from there. Yeah. We'll go through all that soon. Cause at the moment, that is a huge trend, you know, on TikTok, which you do a lot of, I discovered you and now we've become like Instagram pals through your TikTok and like your reels and stuff, which I love. I think they're so great. You're so clever, but we'll go through that soon, but take us back, you know, growing up, what was your childhood like? And did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Growing up as a kid, you know, in terms of attachment styles, now looking back, I definitely know I had a lot of sort of warning signs. You know, I, I identify, I'm the love addict coach. So I identify as a love addict. And now looking back, I can think like, wow, there's a lot of stuff. I just thought it was normal. I thought because I was boy crazy, everyone was boy crazy. You know, to answer your question, I, I never thought of being a coach. I wanted to be an actress, you know, which if I psychoanalyze myself, I'm still trying to decide how much I want to do that. Um, I've sort of put it on the back burner because 
I needed to analyze, you know, am I doing that for validation? Part of part of my love addiction, part of wanting to be loved by people is seeking external validation. And and maybe, you know, it's kind of cliche, but I do think that's true that there's part of me that thought if the world loves me, right? Like if I can be this successful actress and the world loves me, then like, then I will feel better, right? I, I did take a hiatus from that. And I, and I started thinking, what else would I like to do, right? Like if I could do anything else, what would I like to do? And, and for a long time, that was really hard because I didn't think I would like or enjoy to do anything else. And I came into coaching because I actually had a coach. I, you know, I've been in therapy for a long time. I've been in different 12 step programs. I've have every self-help book that was ever written. So I've always been really interested in psychology and self-development and self-healing. And I've had a lot of personal success with it. So that was why I thought, you know what, I have had a huge transformation through, you know, inner healing and also with the help of a lot of other people. And I think that I can, I can help other people you know, do what I did basically. Yeah, totally. Now I know a bit of uh, your background and your story, but talk us through that transformation because I think it's so inspiring and I loved hearing your story. What was your relationship with love like? Yeah. So I shared with someone yesterday that I remember being six years old and having a boyfriend at school and him calling my house and having my mom say, why is a boy calling your house? Right. So that was like something very early on that I don't know, maybe a lot of people have an experience or maybe that resonates with some people just very young being interested in, in the opposite sex or, you know, just romance, a lot of unrequited love. I can tell you every single boy in elementary school that I had a crush on their names. Like I still remember it to this day. And I I thought everyone was boy crazy. I was that girl at the sleepover who wanted to talk about the boy she had a crush on. And while other girls could kind of be present and enjoy, you know, being with one another. And, you know, I was sort of consumed like it, 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 for me, it really manifests in my mind. That's how I know I have an anxious attachment style is it's in my thoughts a lot. So looking back, I remember and think, wow, like I really... I was just, I wanted to talk so badly about love and who I had a crush on. And then when I got older and I was in relationships, they were a little bit chaotic and tumultuous. Uh, I also, I got part of my story is I got sober when I was 24. So, you know, between the ages of like 19 and 24, when I was really heavily drinking, that sort of was a a catalyst in my relationships. Uh, I ended up getting sober, but my relationships were still a little crazy. And so that was where I was kind of like, okay, I can't blame it on the alcohol anymore, right? I'm the common denominator here. I got sober. Maybe I'm not acting out the way that I was when I was drunk all the time, but I'm still crazy, right? I still have that like obsessive thinking about who I'm dating or who are they texting or why hasn't he made plans with me? Things like that. What really helped me was working with a coach, was working with someone. I heard this woman speak and she talked about her experience, which is why I kind of, I made that podcast that has my personal story Mm -hmm. because I've been in therapy for a long time. Okay. I've talked to a lot of different therapists and maybe it's helped me slowly. It's kind of hard to tell or, or see, but to have an experience where you hear someone else tell their story and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me 
right? All of a sudden this woman like has my confidence that she's going to be able to help me because no one's ever really pinpointed those things. So that was really where my transformation started. No, I love that. I know what you mean as someone who's done a lot of therapy as well, always wants to be the best version and then you go through things like we all do. It's really quite special when you do meet someone, whether it be a therapist or a coach that you really click with, because it's really hard to find in life, like let alone a therapist that actually understands what can feel quite isolating and you feel really like whatever you're experiencing is really, you know, you don't think anyone understands it. So when you do meet someone that's a really, when you're in a dark, horrible place and it's really hard for you, that's really, I can relate that's such a nice feeling and you're like, oh, someone really like understands it, you know, it's a good thing. Totally. I've heard some stories about stuff and I think a lot of us can relate to it. You know, we've all done things at times that have whether it's guys, girls, we've been a little bit crazy when it comes to boys and relationships and things. But, you know, I remember even like one time I've had some secure boyfriends and they're like a lot of avoidance and we'll go through all that soon because like I relate with now we're both insecure, like we're secures and I'm like, oh, it's so nice for us. I love seeing that. But, you know, things like back when you'd have to top up your phone, I remember calling a guy like a million times when we were out in town when I was drunk and like so this really embarrassing things that aren't really that embarrassing but at the time you're like oh my god I can't believe I did that but what kind of things were you doing that you felt were problematic when it came to relationships and dating I had a boyfriend when I was getting sober who I had met him before I was sober I was in the process of getting sober and so he was drinking. That was kind of how we like found each other was like, we're drinkers. We, we run at the same pace. And then I got sober and he didn't, there was a lot of chaos around that. Um, it kind of looked like, you know, hoping that I was going to get to see him. We were in a relationship. I, I, I sort of convinced him to be in a relationship. So that's part of it. Sort of settling and thinking, I'm going to pretend like I'm okay just hooking up, right? I'm going to be the cool girl. I'm going to let him come to me sort of. And then, you know, he didn't. (laughs) He never asked me (laughs) uh, to be his girlfriend until I came to a point where I was like, what are we doing? Like, we need to be in a relationship. Like, you know, I'm basically convinced him to be in a relationship with me. So he was still struggling with drinking. That's a pattern that I have is picking people that are struggling with their, you know, substance abuse. So it would look like him not making plans with me, me not sure when I'm going to see him, but also not really wanting to ask because I didn't want him to think I was clingy or needy. And then finally being like, well, do you want to see me or what? Right? Like now all of a sudden I like have an attitude about it. And, you know, of course he'll say, yeah, sure. Come over. Like I didn't know or whatever. And then maybe those times were really nice, right? There was a lot of really nice times in there, but then followed by sort of more confusion and frustration because I do pick people that tend to drink. There's a lot of chaos that comes with that, Mm. right? Worrying that someone is going to be out at night drinking. Maybe I'm worried that they're going to cheat on me, right? Maybe I'm worried that they're, they're texting people behind my back. That's happened to me before checking people's text messages. And unfortunately, sometimes finding things that I didn't want to (laughs) see. Yeah. Those are just some examples Mm. of the chaos that comes with that. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Like I've had been lucky to have some great secure boyfriends over the years or whatever. But then a lot of the time, I think so many of us, it's part of dating. And especially if you have an anxious avoidant type where you end up in these situationships where I think I love seeing the movement now where people are being more like we were encouraged you to be more clear on what they want. And, you know, you can, here's ways that you can speak up because I think a lot of the time I would not speak up and just put up with shit and, 
even though I'm a strong like person, then put up with crap in relationships or situationships, especially when you are picking people that I used to do the same, like people that were damaged and or and then I would end up having to like fix them and it's just so draining, you know. Like, and but you were picking them and you pay you play a part in that. And like, you know, when guys there was a guy I dated years ago and I we had a good connection and everything. And when it was good, it was good, but it was like quite a long period. And he was um partying and taking drugs and stuff a lot. And you know, you'd see them and then he'd disappear for a couple of weeks and then they'd come, you know, they'd come back and then and you take you're like, what am I doing? Why am I taking this person back? And I remember I used to get so stressed out by it that my periods would stop and stuff like that, you know. But you feel so ashamed. Like I didn't really, I think some of my closest friends probably knew about it, but I think there's a lot of shame around that because a lot of the time it's like, well, why are you putting up with that? Or like shame on a woman when I think if we talk about these things like we are and this and it's part of the reason I do this is to talk about stuff that we all go through and normalize it and be like you can laugh about things but also talk about the shit that you shouldn't put up with because I think looking back in my 20s now I did that a lot when I didn't need to and I think these days women in their 20s like so boss you know they wouldn't put up with that shit and it took me till I got to like 29 maybe to finally go no like even longer you know I'm exactly in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, you know, I loved what something that you said was that a lot of times when people come to me and they're like, oh, I need your help. I have an anxious attachment style. They sort of take on the responsibility. They think that, you know, they're doing something wrong. A major part of it is the the person on the other end, right? And not being able to acknowledge, hey, this person isn't treating me well. Hey, this person ghosts me or blocks me or doesn't answer the phone. Yeah, I do think people have a lot of shame around it. Especially when you call your friends, we kind of get in this situation where we call our friends and we're crying and we're telling them about what's going on. And our friend wants what's best for us, right? So they're going to take our side and they're going to be upset that we're hurt. But then we go back to them, right? And then we put our friend in this awkward situation of, okay, well, I kind of like don't (laughs) like this guy anymore, right? Because he's not treating you well. I hope that I do see, you know, very similar content to you probably in what you put out specifically. And I hope that there is a movement that people in their 20s do hear this stuff and and that it resonates Mm -hmm. because I I wasn't there yet. Like you said, I I would think I was like 29 by the time I I met the person I'm with now. (laughs) Yeah. And you get mad because like I, while I would sometimes end up in these situations and there was like a good, because, you know, I've been in like long-term relationship for like five years, like pretty settled down. And then you know, yet a few years where it was um, like, I'm good at being single. And I think sometimes that can turn into like my friend and I joke about it becoming our toxic trait that we become so independent that we're like, we don't know if we can do real, but obviously I can, but you know what I mean? Like you become so good at being independent, but sometimes ending up in these situations where, you know, the guy you can't let go of because you think we have a connection. And I think another thing about um, having an anxious attachment type, and it took me a while to work it out. You think secure attachments are boring and so I would always chase that spark and that's what I thought I thought it was the spark but I worked out through my own work and we'll talk more about this that it was it's not the spark you can still have spark with a secure and they can treat you well and they can still make you feel excited but I used to have secure guys and I've had secure boyfriends when I was younger but I would just get really bored of them and that sounds terrible but I'd just be like you're great but this is boring and I just felt like there was more yeah I had such a similar experience 
I had a similar experience. It was a long-term committed relationship. He was mostly loyal to me. I was the one that was struggling with being loyal and monogamous. And that was my thinking was there's a lot of hot guys out there. And to be honest, at the time I was probably like 19, 20. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of experience with guys. I had some crushes in high school, but all of a sudden, you know, I was newly legal, like able to drink at the age of 21. And I wasn't ready to be with one person. I wasn't ready to settle down. And I had to go out and do that and and get any hot guy I could because it was validating to me. Yeah, like you said, I thought that that spark that I got, it's, it's almost a high, right? I like mm. using the word high because it does kind of feel like I'm on drugs, like these endorphins that are running through my body when I meet a specific type of person. And yeah, it can be fun for a while, but usually those relationships don't end well, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I sort of think of it as like a broken picker. Yeah, I really had to change my thinking and change my experiences to, oh, I'm getting that feeling from this person. You know what? Not going to go there because I don't want that anymore. I'm done doing that. I want security. I want someone that's going to treat me well. And like you said, I can feel attracted to someone. Like it's not like I'm repulsed. I know sometimes people do have that experience. Uh, I'm lucky enough where I don't feel repulsed, you know, by my partner, at least not yet. It's been almost two years. (laughs) I enjoy being with him. You know, most of the time there's not any chaos the way that my other relationships have were yeah isn't it nice to after having so much chaos to not have it anymore like it's so good oh I love that for us and anyone who's listening who's still experiencing it trust me like you know too it took me so long to get there and while I did have secure relationships early on in my 20s and you can get there and I think part of it for me and I don't know if it was the same for you I'm just got like really I worked on it a lot I went to go see therapists because I get so frustrated when it would happen again and again even though I was doing the work and then you're like oh why do I keep doing it and then you know you just have to keep learning and it is part of dating in a way learning to pick and to like look for the signs like on a dating app I got to a point where I was so good I could spot I could look at someone's face and know by the look in their eye now they're avoidant they're gonna ruin my life like I could just I got to a point like that and I think for me, and it's not for everyone, but I got to a point where it's like, I didn't just want, again, you want quality. I didn't want to put up with that crap anymore. It's like your heart gets so tired and it's so draining and you deserve better and you build up your self-love and everything. And, you know, you can chat people or whatever and and go on dates, but I don't want to, I didn't want to get involved with anyone unless I knew they were secure. So yeah, I don't know if that was the same for you. Absolutely. I actually have a whole course on that sort of that dating process of like, how do you see those warning signs like early on? And how do you get that mindset and get to that place? It was totally the same experience. And obviously, I don't want anyone to stay in situations where they're getting hurt. You know, there's no excuse for physical violence and things like that. But in my experience, I had to really go through the ringer and learn those things on my own. And yes, I had coaches sort of like walking me through and offering me suggestions. I really had to tire myself out to learn those lessons. I had to make mistakes and do the trial and error. I thought of it as an experiment, right? Like how you're talking of, okay, there's this type of, this person on their dating app says they're not looking for a relationship. 
let me swipe right anyway and see what happens. And then they tell you to your face, I'm not looking for a relationship and you're disappointed, right? So then the next time, hey, I remember that I was disappointed that person had that written on there and I didn't listen to it and I thought I could change their mind. It didn't work. Okay, you know what? Now I'm faced with that same circumstance. And this time I'm gonna nope, not gonna go there because I want a relationship. Yeah. So I'm going to say no to the person that is <laughs> very obviously telling me they don't want to be in a relationship. Yeah, that's such a good tip. Something I got told as well was like when people say things to you, believe it. Like even if it's subliminal, like but if they're saying to you, I don't want a relationship and you want a relationship. It's like, no, it's not a, it's not a challenge. Like they're not your pet project. (laughs) They don't want a relationship. And if you do, like, if you don't, that's fine. You go for it. But I think for a lot of us, especially as women, you know, we want that fairy tale and not everyone does, but if you want a relationship, and I think for a lot of women in their twenties, or maybe when you're getting in your late twenties towards 30, a lot of my friends who are like beautiful, incredible women, were going through the same thing as me. It's hot. It's not nice. And then people start panicking a little bit, which obviously You don't want to be in that space because you're not going to attract the goodness. You need to get yourself really strong and happy in your own life. And then anyone else is an added bonus kind of thing. It's just learning what to pick and what not to pick, right? Absolutely. And having a real time experience of that, going through that process. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you just said about that fear that comes up. I do have, I do have a lot of clients that maybe are already past 30, you know what I mean? They're once you get to that, like 33, 34, and if you want to be married and have kids, you start getting the fear, you know, getting that panic. And I love what you just said about like, no, like you can't, you can't allow that in. You have to, you have to trust that if it's meant to be, it will be And coming from that place of enjoying your own life. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, that's where I got to myself. And I, I think being quite, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's like that for you, but being quite independent and I've, I've moved around a lot and for my career and done traveled a lot on my own. And it's not that I don't want to be with someone, but I got so good at doing my own thing. And then, and that's big part of my work. It's just letting people know, like, obviously right now, traveling's not as easy for a lot of us, but if you want to go on a trip, you can do it. You don't need a boyfriend. I think a lot of people get in that mindset that you need a boyfriend to go do things. Like I've even had beautiful, sweet girls who are like, I didn't even think I could go for a coffee on my own. I'm like, oh, you sweet angel. Like, yes, you can. You can go for walks. You can do all the things on your own. I think for a lot of people, they think that, you know, you need to meet a boyfriend and then you go traveling. It's like, no, girlfriend, you can have so much fun traveling on your own or doing like a, a tour with people and meeting friends or with your friends. Like, yeah, just building up your own life, right? Yeah. Part of my story was I was single for a long time. I chose to be single for about a year and a half to do exactly what you said, to sort of build my relationship with myself because I knew I had a fear of being alone and I was a compulsive dater. I always had someone, right? I never had since I was 15, you know, an extended amount of time where I was single and enjoying my own company. So I did that on purpose to learn how to to like being me. And I do think there is this sort of like mind game that I had to play with myself that was, what if I never find someone? What if I never get married? What if I never have kids? Can I be okay? And 100% I can. And I had to get myself to that point of, I'm okay with life on life's terms, the way that it unfolds. I know plenty of women who have never been married who are single in Los Angeles and love life, right? Like you're totally allowed to do that. I like to say on my my social media platform that yes, I want to get married to my partner. It looks like that's going to happen, 
I would be really upset if it didn't. I would be sad if we broke up, but I know because of my experiences and all the growth that I've had that I would be okay. I would be okay if I was single and I would be okay if I ended up with someone else later down the line. And I think we kind of have to get to that point. Still to come on the show, we chat about red flags, how to spot and change patterns because we want you to live your best life and also fix a broken picker. But first, we're an independent podcast and there are some really easy ways you can support us so we can keep making a free podcast for you. And thank you so much for supporting us over the past three years. First up, make sure you hit follow on your podcast app. We're on all of them. Hit follow on Apple or Spotify. Also, if you're on Apple, select automatic download so new episodes are there as soon as they drop. You can leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying listening, writing us a glowing review. Find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram, where you can watch videos of this conversation, all of our others, and keep up with all of the content we're making for you. Plus, take a photo of where you're listening, show us, maybe you're out for a pretty walk, or take a screenshot of your podcast app, post it on your Instagram story, and tag us so we can see thank you and share. Also, you'll find me at Belle Crawford on Instagram and I'm dabbling in a little bit of TikToks early days, but hey, if you're on there. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Come have some fun with me. Let's get back into the rest of our chat with the Love Addict coach, Gina Lovato. For you and for people who have gone through really rough times and hit rock bottom, you know, you've had to get sober and been through these experiences with relationships that you go, okay, we need to sort something else out here because this is not working for me. Sometimes getting to that spot, as horrible it is, you learn that you're always going to be okay because you've been, you know, you've been in a certain spot before that you, you're you going to be all right. And people come and go all the time, right, from our lives. And at the time, yeah, like breakups are honestly one of the worst things ever. But you've lived without that person before. Something my dad actually said to me, which I always remember from when I was younger, because, you know, you were sad about that one that time and now you're fine. You're going to feel the same about that in time as well. So it's like perspective, right? So yeah, what was your experience like when you were getting back into dating after doing the coaching where you were single on your own? Like, what did that look like for you? So I did have an extended time where I was single and I I went to the movies by myself. I went to concerts by myself. I really did try and cultivate that relationship with myself. And I, I was still acting at the time. So I made this group of friends and we were all in acting class. I had a great time, right? I had a ton of fun being single. So right around that time, I started working with a coach. I thought I'm ready to date, like help me out. And there was actually someone that I worked with. I was a waitress. I'd had this job for two years. This person was sort of in a manager position, more like a shift lead. We were friends for two years. We worked together and I thought I knew this person. I had a coach and even though she was trying to help me figure out like a dating plan, what I was going to do. I brought, I said, Hey, you know what? I think I have a crush on this guy that I work with. She's like, well, let's talk about it. You might think, you know, this person, but you probably don't just because you've worked together does not mean, you know, that you know everything about this person. And I didn't really want to listen to her. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is this this is the part of learning my own lessons. You know, she also told me part of my pattern was I dated people I worked with and they were drinkers. I didn't know he was a drinker at the time. I just knew that we worked together. And long story short, that like went up in flames in like six months. It was really bad. And I was upset because I had done a lot of work. I thought that I knew what I was doing, right? I thought that I was picking a good person because we were friends, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of this person's life. And also part of that was my coach at the time was suggesting that I date, you know, go out on dates with multiple people. And I said, no, 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 I want to go out with this person, which is always what I do. We didn't date. We didn't date. He started coming over to my house and we're watching movies and we're having sex. You know what I mean? He wasn't actively like pursuing Mm. me. So that went up in flames and it was really heart-wrenching. And like you said earlier at the time, I was really upset. I had a dog. I just gotten a puppy. And the only reason why I would go outside was because I had to take him to go pee. Like I didn't even want to go outside. That's how like depressed I was. So I took another like three months to cut that out, right? Like to get some distance. I did do a no contact with that person because it got Mm. crazy. And I had to, I had to quit my job. I got a new job. I totally had to like separate my life from this person. Took three months, just worked, you know, let myself grieve what had just happened. I started working with the coach again and applying what she was suggesting to me about dating. And I I dated, you know, I don't know, maybe four or five different people in like a three month time span. Eventually I met my partner on, on a dating app. And mm-hmm. what I really liked about my partner that I I had already gotten to a point where I was like, I know this is what I need. He asked me out on a date (laughs) to a restaurant on a Friday night. And he told me to meet him there at 730, right? Like it can be that simple. Like I just don't, I can't go to your apartment, right? I'm not going to your apartment. I'm not letting you cook for me. Like I need to go out and I need to do something in public. What I really loved about him was he always communicated when I was going to see him again. He communicated what we were going to do. Yes, maybe he asked me for suggestions, but I think our second date, we went into an escape room. Do you like escape rooms? I'm like, wow, that sounds super fun. No one has ever taken me out on a, on a date to an escape room. So our relationship was really built around activities and bonding over very like G-rated things. Yeah. Um, you know, for lack of a better term. So no, I, I love that for you. I experienced similar with my boyfriend who I met this year. And um, yeah, it was the same. Like we went on so many dates and like he knew that I like chili margaritas and we he made up this like research project where we went and try he went to he researched all the places in the city that we live in and and found the best ones and we went to all these different places and we would do like a little like rating and it was really cute and really sweet and we went on lots of dates where we got to really know each other and he really wanted to get to know me and it wasn't anything like he wasn't just trying to sleep with me or anything you know like I felt really safe and it's it's awesome that people are going on more dates perhaps now but you're so right I think a lot of I know in New Zealand and probably around the world it sounds like dating culture often has been you don't go on dates like oh yeah come around to my house watch movies on Netflix no that is a trap we've fallen for that plenty of times like no they can meet you for a coffee or they can take you for a date and if they're not going to do that then 
again, like you, that is my boundary. Like I've got better shit to do. I don't need, I've got my own house to watch movies and Netflix at. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like, why would I go to your house and do that? I love my house. Like, you know? Yeah. Totally. I always tell people it doesn't have to be some expensive thing. Like you can even go for a walk. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I was coaching some people during COVID where they were literally social distance going for walks. I'm like, you guys are brave because in my day, like that would not have been cool, you know, going to get ice cream, you know, Mm -hmm. just like getting out of the house and being in a public place with somebody. And it's so nice when you have had chaos to then date someone, like you say, who was secure, like your boyfriend, that you know when you're going to see them next and you don't really need to get anxious. And then when there's issues, it's probably the same for you and your boyfriend with us, like we'll He's such a secure when there's a, we'll just talk about it. It's so, I'm like, oh my God, it's such a secure thing to say. It's funny about attachment types though, because even though I am an anxiously attached person, my relationship with my parents is actually secure. And at times I can be secure with people who are avoidant or anxious as well. And obviously there's a lot of like reading and things you can do into attachment types, but how come that happens when you're an anxiously attached person? You can often be lots of different things at different times with different people. Totally. Yeah. I don't exactly know why that happens. Originally, the theory is that it originates from the parents, right? So it is unusual that you feel like you have a good relationship with your parents. I also have had, you know, at least one client, a lot of times it's like, like me, my case, I'm like, yeah, I know why I am the way I am. Right. My, Mm. my parents were inconsistent. My caregivers were inconsistent. It makes sense. Um, I have had a client who's like, I don't know what happened. Like my parents are great. I love my parents. Mm. I have a great relationship with them. I don't know why I get anxious sometimes. I have read that sometimes it can be things later, right? Like it could be a really early childhood crush, or maybe your first romantic relationship was a big betrayal. Maybe you were engaged and you found out your fiance cheated on you, right? Like even later on, those things can affect us and we can kind of like carry them with us. So it could be that. And and like you said, different people, different people bring out different things in us, I think. Mm, yeah, you're so right. And if you are like a, a person who likes to help people and then when someone's like avoidant or whatever, and and then you're, I, I just often found myself being the one that's in calming them down, even though I'm, I'm like, dude, like, why can't I use my, that on myself to calm myself down, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You're so right about like things can happen. I think for me growing up, my parents are amazing. And when I've done, I've done the test and it said that it's secure, but then I know there was like chaotic things in in my childhood a little bit, even though they're amazing people. Um, And they went through a breakup and everything, which is certainly hard on kids and everything. And then, yeah, you're right. Things can happen. And whether it be in relationships or life, which I guess can just, yeah, cause a bit of trauma or something. But if someone is anxiously attached, it's, it's going to be okay. Isn't it? Like, I think we can feel like we get in that trap where we're constantly dating avoidance because that's, the most common like we're attracted to each other right it's like terrible you and I've probably always ended up well not now we've changed things uh with uh with avoidance but I think to give people who maybe are anxious avoidant types a bit of hope that you can like end up like we have in happy relationships and who knows what's going to happen like like you said we don't know like we would like to think we're going to stay with these people but you just don't know but things are going to work out right a hundred percent. I do think we have to, we have to get ourselves to that point where we, we need to find some sort of spiritual remedy 
for me, I go to 12 step programs. I think 12 step programs are super helpful just to like remind me that everything is going to be okay. Mm. Um, so some people find that in meditation, right? Quieting the mind, going on a yoga retreat. I think spirituality, not just religion, but knowing that I, I have a spirit, right? That I'm maybe a spirit having a human experience, just finding anything that you believe in. It doesn't even matter if it's different than what I just said, just finding something that resonates and and really gives you hope or just makes you think that (laughs) everything is going to be okay. Like you said, I kind of can relate with you how, you know, you said you did all that work and then you ended up in a situation. It's never going to be perfect. You're never going to do all this work. And then all of a sudden, like magic life can take its turns and you need to go through a lesson to really work things out. And it was the last one before my now relationship. And it completely gutted me. We basically were like, you know, in a relationship, but it was dysfunctional. They were avoidant and they're an amazing person, but it just wasn't meant to be. And you afterwards, I was so gutted because I not so much about that, but just because I'd gone through this so many times and I thought I'd done so much work, but it just kind of like, you're like, oh, is this ever going to work out? Like, but you just sort of feel like quite defeated. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially if you're someone that has a pattern or this is happening a lot, you should start thinking like you're too broken, right? That's what I was thinking uh, after my last really sort of toxic relationship. I was like, I'm just too broken. Like it's never going to happen for me because I'm just too messed up. I've totally, totally been in that space. Yeah. My heart goes out to people that are there. And my partner and I, we kind of had a hard week to be honest. And we've been together for almost two years and I can count on like one hand, less than one hand, like the amount of times where I've thought we were going to break up, you know, where it never gets to that extreme, but just for also people who may be listening, who, you know, you think you get into a healthy relationship, like stuff still comes up, right? Mm -hmm. It's a long story. But when we were in New York, there was like a drunk girl that was talking to my boyfriend and I got activated. I had all this jealousy come up and I met my partner before COVID, but a majority of our relationship has been in COVID Mm -hmm. where we were not around people. And wow, what a humbling experience for me. Cause that, you know, this is my job, right? I'm always talking to people about how great my relationship was. And I had a humbling moment where I was like, wow, I just snapped at my partner and did not handle the situation well, because I crossed that line. I crossed that line of being able to communicate effectively, which was an old pattern of mine. I would get into the protest behavior and I would (laughs) ineffectively communicate, right? I would ineffectively try to connect with my partner. It still happens. It's a lot, a lot Mm. more rare. Yeah. My partner and I, you know, we're, we still had another conversation today about that, that happened like, I don't know, four or five days ago at this point. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's so good. Like, I love that you're so honest about it. And like, I think sometimes we get scared maybe to share things and I'm learning to get better at it. Is that if you share things, it I guess it makes you vulnerable, right? And you think, oh, people are going to think that our relationship's on the rocks. But it's not. It's just normal stuff. And I love what you said about having a discussion with a secure, because I'll do it sometimes. Like, I could be pretty mature and, like, level-headed and everything. But if I'm, like, something's annoyed me, I'll be like, oh, don't write it, whatever. And then and he'll be, like, so secure in the way he wants to, like, hand. I'm like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Like, when I sort of turn a little bit, perhaps, avoidant, which can happen, right? <laughs> 
Absolutely. I, I learned so much from the way that he is able to communicate and like, doesn't take things personally and can move past things. Right. Like you said, I'm the one that's sort of like trying to get my, my bearings back from that thing that happened. He doesn't even remember it. You know what I mean? He just moved on from it. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing with secures is they're often in relationships. So like when you're dating, there's probably not like on apps. I mean, it's hard to know because you don't know the person you're judging them by what they look like and what they're writing about themselves you can obviously talk to coaches and and listen to the stuff and and it will help you and it will teach you tricks and things but you do need to learn and I had to learn what to look for you know like I'll look back now and be like okay in the past I would have picked that person because but now I'm like no lovely person but no not not for me like you're gonna ruin my life you know so yeah what would be some things people should I guess look out for when they're on the apps if you're, you come across someone and maybe they're not your type, or maybe they're like a level six out of 10 attractiveness, I think we should swipe right. Cause I do think if you have a habit, right. Of sort of picking people that aren't great, or maybe you resonate with the possibility of having a broken picker, trying to get out of your comfort zone, trying to trick yourself into doing something different. My partner, I think he's absolutely adorable. I love him. But before I knew him, just looking at his pictures and the cheesy stuff he wrote on Hinge, it would have been very easy for me to swipe left. I had a moment where I was like this, like right or left, right or left. It would have been really easy for me to swipe left. So sort of like opening that up, not being too rigid in terms of attractiveness. Yeah. Uh, I I also have a, a client who one time I saw her swiping and she was like, just all no. And like, yeah, that's so funny because I remember sitting next to my flatmate one time and he was like, Belle, they're all really hot. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, you know, like I just wouldn't just, he's, whereas I think some people might swipe yes on everyone. Whereas I was a bit more picky because it's so much admin chatting to that many people if you have matches or whatever. Um, And I used to get a bit bad where I got to a point where I wasn't really putting effort into chatting to them. And then with my now boyfriend, I actually had, I gave myself a little pep talk. I was like, Obviously, you're not going to pour everything into this dating thing, the dating app thing, but you need to like, you can't just not reply because you get too busy with work for three weeks and then be like, hey, I'm back. I say to my friends as well, you think you have a type, but your type's not working out for you, hun. So you might need to try another type. You know what I mean? Like, I think in our mind, girls, like the stereotype is that they have to be tall. They have to be like this. And I think I used to get caught up in that as well because you know, like if you've got one life, you want the best of everything, but you have to sort of, you obviously need to know what you want, but you can't base something on if the guy's like six foot two or whatever, you know, like, and not let in anyone else that's like shorter than that or whatever, you know? Right. Right. I think that lends itself to, okay, you got the six foot two guy, right? You can have that attractive guy if that's what you want, but that guy might not be emotionally available. Right. (laughs) And that's disappointing and a bummer. I think just being willing to be open about it and sort of taking that, you know, that humble pill and just being like, okay, let's see. Another thing is, are they matching your energy? I know a lot of people have been on the apps and are probably sick of messaging people, but making sure that someone's matching your energy. My coach always said to me, you just throw the ball back. And that's what I liked about my partner now is that he, he was asking me questions and I was responding. I would say we got off the app fairly quickly. I think we maybe messaged for like a day or two and then I, I let it drop. 
And then he messaged me again and I responded. And then as I responded, he asked me out. Everyone gets to decide if they want to pursue or if they want to be pursued because I used to be an overactive pursuer, I decided to open myself up to being pursued, right? Let me see who is going to be interested in me, who wants to get to know me, who's willing to take me out on a date, matching someone's energy, like not trying to force something if they're giving you one word responses, right? Yeah, totally. And like letting that go and not thinking it's anything wrong with you. It's just you're not that person's not like the one for you. Like, oh, good, next. Because I think a lot of the time we're told to let guys chase us like psychologically you know that's how it's meant to work dynamically and obviously like things can work out differently but for me I think like you said for you that's worked for me as well with my boyfriend in in the past like you can't be too available to people and if you've got your own life and you seem busy they like that that's hot to them you know totally and not to play a game and be like, oh, I'm busy when I'm really just like in my pajamas at home, you know, but yeah, having a life and making plans, right? If my boyfriend doesn't make plans with me on Friday night, I'm going to make plans with someone else. And, you know, even now I still try, still try and do that. <laughs> There's times where he's like, what, why aren't you hanging out with me? Well, you didn't make plans with me. So I made yeah. other plans, you know, and I'm not trying to do it to play a game or be hard to get. I'm doing it because I want to have a life that doesn't just have to be with the person that I'm dating. And that's really healthy. That's a healthy relationship. I still have, I have a friend who's married and she still sometimes waits for her husband to text her first, you know, like it's, and she, again, she's not playing games, but she's just like, no, like he can, he can chase me. Like he can text me first sometimes, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love like your videos about like red flags or we talk about red flags a lot, but quick fire. What are some things that are, complete red flags when dating anything that doesn't align with what you want if you're really strongly democrat someone that's a republican (laughs) is probably not going to work right and that seems that's an obvious one people that say they don't want to be in a relationship if you want to be in a relationship if you are at the point where you're ready to have kids then someone who doesn't want to have kids or really when people are not sure right that's something i think we have to be really careful about when people aren't sure or they're well, I'm open to it. I think securely attached people, people that are ready for commitment will be unapologetic about it and they'll be honest about it. And so sometimes the ambiguity is where we get into trouble, right? Those people who say, oh, you're going to be that girl. Like, how can we have to label it? Or how Mm. can we have to go out? Like, why can't we just hang out at my place? Right. Things like that, where if you set a boundary and they make you feel bad about it, I think so many of us have had that and they'll be like, oh, you're so full on. It's actually not full on just to want to know what's going on with someone that you're like basically exclusively seeing for a period of time. You know, like I think women and me, it happens both sides, but like you get gaslit into, oh, you're so full on. It's like, that's common respect. And that's a situation that a lot of people in the dating will find themselves in. And even on Bumble, you can select don't know, like you can say you don't know what you want. And I got to a point where I was like, well, if you don't know what you want, like, I don't want to bother getting to know you. You do you, but I want a relationship. I'm not despo for one, but I want one one day. And so why would I chat to someone who doesn't know what they want? And Some of my friends who use the apps will say, yeah, but if they don't know what they want, I can change their mind about that. Or maybe they'll decide that they want to be with me. What do you think about the don't know what they want? I think they really don't know what they want. I think, like you said, we hope that, oh, well, I will, maybe I can change their mind or maybe if they find (laughs) the right person. Sometimes it's also a sort of distancing technique, right? Like they're distancing themselves away from you or intimacy in general. And yeah, maybe you convince that person to get into a relationship 
relationship with you, but guess what? There's going to be more distancing techniques, right? Even if you convince that person or get them to be in a relationship with you, I guarantee you there's going to be more things where they don't know or they're not sure. And that doesn't really have anything to do with you. I think if that person is on the app making their opinions or whatever, not having anyone in mind, that has a lot to do with them, right? And there's no mm-hmm. judgment. Like it's okay if you don't know what you want, but for someone on the other end, the ball is now in your court. Are there any other, before we move on, are there any other like flip fire red flags that you would think of? Because again, I love your videos where you're like, red flag, you know, I've reposted those before. I've done like those so people can watch them. <laughs> yeah. If there's the person that only messages you at 10 p.m., right? Are you up? What are you doing? Mm. I don't think it's very attractive when people ask for pictures right away. I think it lends itself to more sexual stuff. And I do think that if someone is maybe more mature or more serious about getting committed, they are more likely to sort of put that on hold for a second. Obviously, that's not everyone's experience. I have to be weary about getting physical with people too soon or, you know, sending them pictures, sending strangers pictures of me, right? Like not the best idea. If you have a history where your relationships aren't really going well, okay, what do those people have in common? In one in one of my courses, in my mindful dating course, I have a past relationship review. Yeah. Even people being like the love bombing people Mm. being too overly affectionate at the beginning, you think, wow, this person really likes me, but really it probably has to do a lot more with them than it has to do with you. They're projecting onto you. They're not really, they don't know you yet. So they're not Mm. really at a place to be (laughs) giving you those really generous romantic compliments. Yeah. Such good tips. And I agree with you on that. Like I had this thing where I would after talking on the app, I would prefer them to text me. Like, I just think it's like, you know, come on, like we're not 19 anymore. When they want to Snapchat you or I don't even use my Snapchat anymore. Or even for me on social media, because like for you, my social media is my workplace and I want them to get to know me properly. Um, not just like look at me on my thing. And, you know, sometimes in the past, they guys be like, make up like assumptions about you or I don't like them for me. And it's different for everyone. I won't give them my Instagram. I used to use my full name. So my full name is Annabelle. So they wouldn't often put to do together if they knew me from radio or whatever because like it's my full name and and sometimes they would know me but you know what I mean like I want them to get to know me properly and even with my boyfriend he didn't listen to my podcast for ages there's also some like psychological thing behind going to a social media instead of using the phone like if I want to ask you out on a date and I'm interested in you and I want to get to know you I want to know your phone number, right? The social media is almost like, okay, well, I can make this connection, but I can watch from afar Mm. and I probably won't ask this person out. I'll just continue to look at their stuff, right? Isn't that what normally happens is like, yeah, we get these connections on social media that we don't really know, but now they're watching our stuff and is that, is they going to ever going to ask me out? No, they're not. You know, girls or guys can get a bit excited when they see that, oh, that boy that I talked to, or I like watching my stories really quickly, but they're not messaging you. They're not interested in. I have so many clients who <laughs> bring that to me. They're watching my stories. They're watching my stories. It means nothing. It means mm-hmm. they're you know, we want to really like give it this importance or this, like they're trying to connect and maybe they are in some way, but it's such a false breadcrumb connection. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Crumbing, right. It's like giving someone a little crumbs, like replying every now and then or something. I remember when I was younger, 
even posting things purposely so that person would see it. I'm sure some of your clients do that as well. I, I haven't done that in a long time. I'm like, oh, don't waste your time. Like they can watch from afar, you know? I've totally done that. It's been a while, but yeah, <laughs> I've definitely done that before. What would be some of your, we talk a lot about self-care. What are some of your go-to self-care practices that keep you feeling really good? So I've been doing yoga for a number of years. I do hot yoga, sort of traditional heated yoga. It's 105 degrees. That really helps me with my body. I swear I'm like an 80 year old woman. Like, I don't know what's wrong (laughs) with my body, but like I am stiff as a board. I know that I need to do that. And that's something I need to keep up. I'm really feminine. So I get my nails done. I get my eyelashes done. (laughs) Like fresh nails. (laughs) Yeah. Self-care doesn't have to cost money, but that's something that I liked to do. And I started doing that you know, before I was even dating because I, I like to do it for myself. It like makes me feel good. I like to cook. I like to take baths. I like to read. I like fiction books. Yeah. Meditating is a really big part of my daily practice. Journaling, just getting things out on paper is a really big part of my self-care practice as well. Yeah. I love that. Some really good tips in there. I just, people always love hearing what others do and they might be able to get ideas of what works for them. Now, what is some advice, knowing what you know now and everything you've gone through and learned that you would like to share with your younger self? What would you tell little Gina? That everything is going to be okay and that life goes through many phases, but life has always gotten progressively better. Maybe it's been a couple steps back every once in a while, but usually it's always progressive. You know, I really had a lot of pain when I was young, when I was a teenager and also in my twenties and I still have struggles, right? Life isn't just a cloud, but my life does get better because I have chosen to sort of be this self-development, always growing person. Was your pain and a lot of those things you go through, was that a lot to do with your relationships? Was that a big trigger for you like it is for a lot of people? Yeah, but you know what's crazy is I remember being 13 years old and being really sad, you know, like right around puberty. The relationships was more of a symptom, right? It wasn't necessarily the cause. I think the cause was just that self-love piece, not feeling loved, not knowing how to be authentically me, be vulnerable, be honest. I think that I used relationships and romance as a coping mechanism. I do think it had to do with self-love and learning to love myself unconditionally and being nice to myself. I'm really hard on myself Mm. in my mind. You sort of think as you get older and you're doing things and they're going all good, you think that you just don't have that doubt. But I remember chatting to you privately when we were just messaging, you replied to a story. A lot of us are feeling really burnt out. And then when you're burnt out, you can't do everything that you're trying to do as a A-type high achiever at 100%. And then you feel like I still have to work through that. You're not a failure just because you haven't done all the millions of things, you know? Yes, I still struggle with that. That is literally sums up my week. I had a lot of things planned previously before this week, right? This is something you and I have been planned. Besides the things that I had to show up to, right? I had commitments to other people. The sort of things that I needed to do on my own and be self-disciplined about those things, not a lot happened this week. And I, and I have to let that be okay. Right. And have that process of like, it's a phase and it comes and goes like, 
you, your dad had said, this will pass, right? And then it will come again. I will get my energy back to be productive. Listening to my body and letting that be okay and watching my my mind and myself talk and letting myself be depressed, letting myself feel my feelings, but trying to uh, not let myself go down that wormhole that I'm going to be like this forever, right? Knowing yeah, that totally. it, it is going to pass. Yeah, no, I can so relate to that. And I have those weeks like all the time where you're trying to do too much. And to be honest, from an outsider looking in, sometimes I look at your work and I'm like, man, she pumps out so many cool videos. You know, like you've obviously had really productive weeks. You know, this year was crazy. I did pump out a lot of content this year. Like I've been on TikTok for less than a year and I have 200,000 followers and like a ton of videos. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're an independent podcast and you can support us by subscribing on your go-to podcast app. Click follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star glowing review. Show us where you're listening. Maybe you're out for a pretty walk. Uh, Or screenshot and post on your Instagram story and tag us in it at Self Love Club podcast so we can see and share. Share with your friends, sisters, workmates, everyone. into our backlog and enjoy listening. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast. I'm Abel Crawford and we'll catch you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.